You're listening to the E-Commerce Maven Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Sumer, founder and e-commerce girl boss of the ethical fashion brand Encircled and the e-commerce coaching company Retail Bliss. This podcast is designed for e-commerce bosses who want to take their online store to the next level. Together, we'll take on your toughest challenges, motivate you to do the work, and give you all the tools and strategies necessary to build a sustainable and profitable online store. You deserve to make money doing what you love, and I can help. Let's get you started on creating that e-commerce brand of your dreams. Hello, everybody. It's Christy. Welcome back to the e-commerce maven podcast. Happy New Year. If you're listening to this in 2018, which I hope you are, um, this week's episode is going to be all focused about the 10 things I learned in 2017. I'm going to go ahead and apologize for my voice up front. I'm battling a head cold, which seems to always happen at the end of 2017 when I'm recording this episode. I feel like every single year I'm sick um, and I don't know why that is. So if you guys have any tips on general wellness towards the end of the year, pass them along because I feel like I'm really missing the beat in this space. But um, nevertheless, I wanted to share with you the things that I learned through growing my business this year, um, my fashion line Encircled, which you guys may or may not know, but if you don't, you can check it out at encircled.ca or encircled.co. Um, this is my startup. E-commerce Maven podcast is kind of my side gig. Um, I would say my my jobby, uh, what would they call it? Like a hobby that's a job that doesn't pay you any money, but um, I do get a lot of value out of it and I hope you guys do as well. Um, so let's dig into the 10 things I learned in 2017. Number one, Facebook ads do work. So this is a really interesting learning. I've played around with Facebook ads for the last couple of years since they launched their platform. Um, but I never really had much success with them. However, I don't really truly know if I understood what I was doing with them, to be honest. I would kind of just boost posts here or there. I'd look at the analytics, but I wouldn't really deep dive into them. I'd run campaigns with, you know, $10 here, $20 here, but I didn't really go deep into the um, metrics or deep into investing in Facebook ads, quite honestly. So this year was definitely a year of change for that. Um, I don't even know how I came across them, but I started working with this freelancer slash agency in June. I guess it came up through one of my investors, other companies who he's working with. And he was just um, a specialist in women's clothing, primarily for Facebook ads. Uh, He's very expensive, but he definitely knows his stuff. So we retained him in June to work for us, and it was really interesting, I think. It it was a very expensive experiment, and I'm not saying I wouldn't work with him again, but I just think he's suited towards a specific type of business, and I don't think as an ethical clothing company we necessarily have the margins to support him long-term, um, or we don't have the financing uh, either. Um, but basically the way he works is he takes a flat fee or above a certain ad spend, he takes a percentage of that ad spend, which can be quite heavy once you get into certain numbers. Um, so for us, um, when you think about Facebook ads, you think about how much you're putting in, then you have to think about his fee, and then you have to think about how many purchases you get back from that. And there's a metric called the return on ad spend, which is quite valuable for you to learn a little bit about, but it basically just says like how much you've spent on the ad and how many purchases can be tracked back using the Facebook pixel to um, 
the Facebook ad. So it's a number. It really varies for a lot of people, but generally we were aiming to be in the three range. I know people say two range is good because it's basically two times your investment, but it really depends on your margins of your product. And when you're ethically made and using these premium sustainable fabrics, our margins are not that fantastic to be honest so they're not like 90% margins so we can't kind of mess around but we do have on our side a very high average order value which if you do have that in your online store you're very lucky because it makes paid advertising make a lot more sense I think so my net net of this one not to go too deep down the rabbit hole on this but Facebook ads do work but you do have to put a lot of money into them and I think the most valuable thing I learned from working with this partner was that, um, and full disclosure, we ended our relationship in December, mainly because we ran out of funding for something like this, um, is that when you do put money behind successful campaigns, they can take off. Like we saw a lot of growth attributed to Facebook this year. And um, though I do believe that the Facebook pixel over attributes revenue that maybe attribute of attributed to other channels as well. Um, I do think it does work. Um, The great thing about Facebook advertising versus any other platform out there pretty much is that you can target so super specifically. Um, So you can really find your ideal customer super easily. So I do encourage you to experiment with Facebook ads, even if it's just starting with retargeting in 2018. Um, There's some neat apps. I'm testing Shoelace. Um, There's another one called Kit, which will basically DIY it for you. Um, But working with this agency, though it was expensive, I did learn a lot of his methods and how he set up his ads. So it was really educational for me and I'm currently running our ads and I'm doing, yeah, I'm doing okay with them. I'm not doing great, but I'm doing okay. So the second thing I learned in 2017 is managing your bottom line is super important with a high growth company. So if you guys have heard me talk about Encircled Squareth last year, we were up 125% over the year prior, which is massive. And that's not on like a $50,000 base. We're talking um, six figures of revenue times 125%. So that's massive growth for a product-based company. And it's very hard to manage, I'm going to be honest. That was my biggest challenge. Because when you hit really high growth and you want to scale, you have to be sure that you're able to scale up the company um, responsibly. Although startups are notorious for running in the red, and I'll be honest, we are running super in the red right now. Um, it's not a comfortable place for me, to be honest. It feels a lot of stress and you have to have a lot of financial runway to be able to do that for a long-term period. Um, So the thing I would say here, the biggest lesson is that I would kind of flex out some of my stuff. Like when I started to see a lot of growth, I would reinvest more in inventory and less in more overheady type static costs. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. But Honestly, managing your cash flow is super important when you're scaling a company and I manage it honestly now on a daily basis because it got so out of control. Um, I have a really cool spreadsheet that I actually got from Shopify that I use um, quite a bit. It's just a Google sheet, but I highly recommend if you are scaling a company right now and trying to hit some big numbers in 2018 that you should look at that as well. So my third thing I learned in 2017 is sometimes you have to run a sale and that's okay. So there's a lot of stuff on the internet about how you shouldn't promote, how it's bad for the brand, blah, 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 blah. But if you'll notice, like even brands like Lululemon nowadays are running sales. And that's because it's really hard to manage a product-based business 
Um, so many things can affect it, whether it's weather or delivery times or fabric availability or color trends or just shifting customer bases. You have to have a way to move inventory um, when it's not moving. And sometimes that's having a sale and that's okay. You don't have to feel slimy about promoting your business. This is the number one thing I ran into with my clients who are primarily female is that they don't want to sell because they feel slimy about it. And you just have to get over that because nothing's worse than having really stale old inventory. Um, you just have to let it go. So number four is product-based businesses are capital intensive. So this ties into number two quite a bit, but if you are scaling a product-based business, you better have some capital behind you. And that is largely because unless you're running a just-in-time inventory system or you're able to produce to demand, you're going to require a lot of inventory to support the growth. Otherwise, you'll be perpetually out of stock. As an example, we had our best month ever in July and we just blew out of stock of two of our products and we could not get back up to speed on them for three months. And by the time we got up to speed with them, I swear we'd miss the window. Um, but that said, like we didn't have the agility to do that. And also we didn't have the capital to run the size of runs that would have allowed us to be in stock at that time. So ways you can get capital, I'm not the expert on this, full disclosure, but you can get an investor, you can go for debt financing with a bank or another business development type accelerator thing, um, or you can get a line of credit, that's a very expensive way to do it, or you can solicit friends and family for investment, which is another good way to go if you haven't done a first round of investment. Um, but they are capital intensive, and unless you have some sort of unicorn of a company, you will run into this at some point, because the more you sell, the more inventory you need to produce, and the more cash is out of the business. Number five, hiring is easy, but letting go is hard. So I actually think in 2017, I became a much stronger manager, people manager. I think I've always been good with this, but, um, and I've loved coaching employees, but the challenge I've had with Encircled at least is that um, I've hired a lot of very young, um, kind of first job out of school people. And that requires a lot of different coaching. When I used to work at um, PwC and stuff like that, you were dealing with a you know, a caliber of student that's been out of, you know, in the workforce, I guess, for three to four years, sometimes five years, and they're just like, they've already been trained by somebody. So you're kind of starting from the beginning when you're dealing with somebody who is their first job in a corporate environment, and maybe they haven't worked in this industry specifically, which a lot of my employees have not. Um, there's obviously a few exceptions, but I actually found it easier to hire this year good people. We're attracting more and more good people um, easier in, in a more easily um, congregated way. But that said, letting go of people is really hard. It's hard to determine um, who's an A player and who's a B player because you really do, or a C player, D player, whatever, because you really do start to like your employees a lot. And um, you really, as you scale up, like we have 12 employees right now, I guess 11 right now, um, including myself, and you form like a bit of a team culture. But that makes for hard decisions because sometimes uh, there isn't a role for people. And I ran into that with Encircled 
just recently we had to um, end a contract with somebody, well, with two people. One, she was temporary, but the other one, um, she was a temp hire, but she'd stayed on quite a bit longer. And it was just, we didn't have a role for her. And I really liked her, but we didn't have a role and it wasn't financially responsible to keep her. So these types of decisions are really hard on the business. They're really hard on the people in the business. And the only way you can do this well, I think, is by being fully transparent with that person. And I definitely have outreach to both those employees and offer them my personal coaching um, on their resumes and helping them find a new opportunity. But those are the kinds of hard decisions you have to make when you're scaling a business. So the sixth thing I learned in 2017 is knowing your analytics is key to scaling profitably. So for those of you out there that are never in your Google Analytics and do not look at stuff like that, this is my red flag for you. So when you start doing stuff like paid advertising or even influencers, you really need to know your analytics and return on investment of these things. Um, so one tool that I can highly recommend is compass.co. It integrates with Shopify, Magento, and a whole host of other platforms. They have a free trial. Um, and they basically will do the work that a lot of people will want to see, which is what your cost of customer acquisition is, what your customer lifetime value is. You just hook up your store, you can hook up your Google Analytics, your Facebook ads accounts, etc. And it does all the calculation for you. And it'll benchmark you versus your competitors, um, as well as versus yourself versus the previous period, which is totally cool. But this is something really interesting. Um, and I really highly recommend you looking at it. Um, I was able to see for sure that our Facebook ads were working. They were generating a pretty good cost of customer acquisition. However, we started our foray into Google advertising, which was a total disaster. And the cost of customer acquisition was so high and the return on investment was in the negative. So we shut that down. So that's why analytics are key. And it will flip from day to day, month to month, but you need to know this basic stuff. And the fundamental thing I think you really need to know, especially if you're getting into paid advertising, is your customer lifetime value. So how much on average does a customer spend with you once acquired? And this is a complex formula to calculate on your own, so I won't go into it, but there's a lot of resources out there that talk about this, and I think it's super important to know this. So the seventh thing I learned in 2017 is maintaining your inventory and website is a daily practice. So at Encircled, we had a lot of challenges with inventory in 2017, whether it's overselling items and figuring out how the hell that happened. Um, we used a tool called Stitch Inventory to sync our two Shopify stores um, and just finding weird stuff on our website and weird stuff in products. Like It just reminded me that you have to be in your e-commerce store basically on a daily basis, checking pages, checking links, making sure that stuff is there, having employees do counts. Um, cycle counting is a way to do inventory counts, which is pretty important as well. We seem to, for some reason, always get off track and I feel like it's returns have something to do with it. That I just don't feel like they're getting into stitch properly or something, but the maintenance of your inventory is crucial to providing a, like a really good customer experience. So understanding that and maintaining it is, should be of the paramount of importance as well. Your website, like having old information or outdated stuff on there is really not great. So you need to try to be as accurate as possible. I remember spending like literally 24 hours, I think, updating product pages because I just got so frustrated that the information was incorrect. And I just did it myself, which is not the best way to do it. I totally agree, but it was just annoying me that it was there so I did it so stuff like that has to be done it's kind of like that daily maintenance thing if you do it on a daily basis you'll not have to spend 24 hours doing it which is good 
So the eighth thing I learned in 2017 is that solopreneurship is lonely, but it doesn't have to be. Now, this one sounds really sad, but um, as you guys know, I am a solo founder and I do from time to time feel that envy for people who have um, co-founders because it is really lonely being the CEO and founder. I know that sounds like, oh, poor me, but everything is really on your shoulders. And for those of you that are solo founders, you'll totally understand this. And especially if you're growing a small business right now and you don't have a lot of senior hires, there's not a lot of people to bounce off ideas from and ask questions of when you can't find answers. So my biggest thing was that I need to broaden my networks in 2018. I started to do that in 2017, but I definitely want to find more um, like-minded entrepreneurs. I'm considering joining a mastermind again um, because I really want to be around people who are growing and scaling similar businesses and at the same level as me um, because we're all running into the same challenges and opportunities. And it really, I think having that support makes you more confident in making decisions to support your business. I do have an investor, as you guys may may or may not know, um, but that is definitely not a substitute for having a network because they... Generally, these investors have many investments, um, and they may not have the industry and deep knowledge of the day-to-day operations that other people, owner-operators, may have. So I have my business bestie, Jamie, and we talk about business stuff all the time, but she has a very different business model than I do. Um, So for 2018, I'm looking to find some more like-minded entrepreneurs, and I think I have a good lead on some through SheEO, which is a... Um, I guess it's like a grant agency um, where we applied for a grant, but we got rejected, but we got into their Slack group. So that's pretty cool. So I started an e-commerce channel. So I'm hoping to arrange a mastermind with the ladies in there because I think that'd be pretty cool. So the ninth thing I learned in 2017 is the riches are in the niches. I love this statement because it totally goes against everything that <laughs> I've heard from investors who like to tell you that your business is too niche. Um, I said niches because I don't know, it just rhymed better, but I think, I believe it's niche because it is uh, a French word, I think. Um, but I always hear Americans say niches, but anyways, niche. Um, so the niche businesses, I think there is a lot of power in them because when you get super specific and very clear on who your customer is and isn't, then you can deliver massive value and scale up from there. But ideally, if you're building a business and a new brand, you want to start small because you really want to build your tribe of loyal customers who truly believe in what you're doing and why, and then scale up from there. Um, There's some great podcasts out there, which I highly recommend you listening to. I'll name off a few that I can think of off the top of my um, mind right now. Amy Porterfield's podcast, the Story Brand podcast, um, Perpetual Traffic podcast, Being Boss um what's another one the art of paid traffic um oh the online marketing school podcast and these are ones that i listen to very often and they talk all about niche marketing and it's just so valuable to niche down to something that you can truly own so i really encourage you guys to figure out what that is for your own brand in 2018 and i know that um encircled went through a bit of a transition where we moved from being a travel clothing company to ethical fashion But we're still very niche in our own way. And what I've seen through the data, at least, is that um, particularly with influencer marketing and stuff, it pays to be down in the niche areas. So I'm looking to implement more of that in 2018. And the last but not least important thing I learned in 2017 is that 
big leaps are necessary for big growth. So some big things that I did in 2017, I'm going to give myself a bit of a pat on the back here. Um, in 2017, Encircled went from four employees to, at our peak, I think we had 13 or 14 employees. Um, we went from a 600 square foot office space to 2200 in a five-year lease. Now that's freaking scary. Um, and then obviously like renovating that office and installing all the shelving and desks and computers. Like these are big leaps, guys. Like every time you add an employee, just think about adding probably $2,000 in cost because you need a computer, a desk, the training, everything. Um, not to mention expanding your office space and renovating kitchens and bathrooms. Oh my God. And furnishing that office space. Um, so that was a really big leap for us. Um, I think retaining the Facebook agency was a huge leap for us. Um, I think we went pretty big into ramping up production on, um, some of our core items and really going hard with that. We went pretty big on our Cyber Monday and Black Friday and our one-of-a-kind show and our in-studio event. And some of these things paid off and some of them didn't. But, you know, if if it's a, you know, if you, I guess there's an expression out there that says, like, there are no failures, there's only lessons. And that can be true. The lessons sometimes really freaking sting, I'll be honest. Um, but, you know, there is a lot to be learned from mistakes and failures as well. So... Um, that was kind of my 10th learning that you have to sometimes take some big leaps and sometimes those leaps are not going to work out and that sucks. And sometimes you're going to lose money and sometimes you may even cry about it and don't feel bad about that because I've been there too. Um, but they are necessary for big growth because sometimes you'll take that big leap and it will just pay off in spades. So those are the 10 things I learned in 2017 to sum it up. Facebook ads do work. Managing your bottom line is super important with a high growth company. Sometimes you have to run a sale and that's okay. Product-based businesses are capital intensive. Hiring is easy. Letting go is hard. Knowing your analytics is key to scaling profitably. Maintaining your inventory and website is a daily practice. Solopreneurship is lonely, but it does not have to be. The riches are in the niches and big leaps are necessary for big growth. So thanks for listening to this roundup episode. Definitely one of my longer episodes. So I'm grateful for you staying with me to the end. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave me a review on iTunes or send me a comment on the blog post. I'd love to hear what you learned in 2017. Even if it's just a few bullet points, put them down below. I'd love to see what you're learning and whether or not you found this valuable. Thanks so much, guys, and have a great 2018. Thank you so much for tuning into the e-commerce maven podcast i'm your host christy sumer e-commerce boss extraordinaire of encircled.ca and founder of retail bliss if you'd like to check out the show notes they're available for you at retailbliss.ca and click on blog and search for the latest episode if you'd love to keep in touch i would too so check me out on instagram that's where i hang out the most at christy sumer that's k-r-i-s-t-i-s-o-o-m-e-r Keep doing what you're doing. You're doing awesome. Any small step is a step in the right direction. Keep up the work and we'll see you guys next week. Take care.